With the legalization of natural organic reduction, aka human composting, alternate forms of body disposition have been regular topics in the media. And naturally, this subject always catches my eye. I like to hear what people are saying and what's the general vibe. Most pieces that I've watched or read have been informative, but some have been a little bit inflammatory, leaving out what I would consider to be vital pieces of information. With that in mind, I'd like to spend time discussing five body disposition options and what each entails. Welcome to Death Becomes Her, the mini-cast where we spend five to ten minutes discussing death, dying, and grief from a variety of angles. I'm your host, Lyella Kelly. On today's episode, I'm coming at you firmly from the community education standpoint. I want people to have autonomy when it comes to end-of-life decisions, And part of that is being informed about what our choices are and what those choices include. I don't want anybody left in the dark. So today I'm going to get pretty specific about each of these processes. Let's get started with what we would consider in our culture to be traditional burial. Here are the basics. A person dies and their body is picked up by the mortuary. The body will be cooled in a refrigerated unit. If there's going to be a viewing, most mortuaries will require embalming. I already did an episode on embalming, but very quickly. For this process, the body will be laid out on a stainless steel table. The circulatory system of the body will be accessed through a main artery. Blood will be flushed from the body and replaced with embalming fluid, which is a blend of chemicals that include formaldehyde. A little side note. There are several studies and articles online dealing with increased cancer risk amongst embalmers who have prolonged exposure to embalming chemicals. Once the fluid exchange has occurred, any access points will be sealed and the body is ready to move to the next step when the body will be washed, dressed, makeup applied, and laid out for viewing. Embalming, however, is not legally required, so a family can refuse the procedure, skipping all of that fluid exchange business. But generally, if there's going to be a viewing, a funeral home will require it. So embalmed or not, we move on to the burial. The casketed body will be placed in a concrete vault that has been installed in the ground at the gravesite. So it's a box inside a box, and then the whole thing will be buried. The concrete box, its purpose is to help the cemetery to maintain the aesthetics of the cemetery as it will keep the ground from settling. Um, Natural decomposition of a normal casket, like a wooden casket, would eventually cause sinking of the gravesite. So this concrete vault keeps the ground nice and level. Moving on. Many will choose cremation over burial. If a viewing is chosen, the same process of embalming and dressing will occur, and then instead of going to burial, the body will be taken for cremation. If there's no viewing, a body can go directly to cremation, which is a pretty straightforward process. 
The body will be placed in a suitable container, which can be anything from a cardboard casket to a more traditional wooden casket. Prior to the cremation, pacemakers or anything else that could cause a problem will be removed from the body. The casketed body will be slid into the retort, which is the name for the cremation machine, and burned at temperatures approaching 1800 degrees Fahrenheit for three to four hours. At the end of the process, ash and bone fragments will remain. The fragments will be placed in a machine called a cremulator, and they will be ground down to an acceptable size. There is a regulation standard size for how big your cremains should be. The ashes or cremains will then be returned to the family. Next up, let's take a look at natural burial. I sometimes refer to this as cowboy burial. Growing up in rural Idaho and Montana, where many have spent much of their lives on farms, ranches, or in the outdoors, it is not uncommon to come across the sentiment, just dig a hole and put me in it. That pretty much sums up natural burial. When a person dies, their body will likely be cared for by members of their personal community as opposed to hired mortuary professionals. Loved ones will wash and dress the body. The body will then either be wrapped in a natural fiber shroud or placed in a simple wicker or natural finish wood casket. No chemical wood lacquers or stains. The shrouded or casketed body will be lowered into the grave by loved ones and then the grave will be filled with dirt. In natural burial services, it's common for the gathered community to share in filling the grave. Native plants and perhaps an engraved stone will be added to adorn the gravesite. The next two options that we're going to discuss are where some of the comments that I mentioned at the outset come into play. We're going to look at alkaline hydrolysis and natural organic reduction. Alkaline hydrolysis goes by a couple of names liquid cremation, flameless cremation, and most commonly, aquamation. This process has its roots in an 1888 patent that was used for livestock. I know we are not off to a good start when I say livestock. The process developed into a means of animal disposal where they could safely put remains directly down the drain. The process essentially decontaminates the tissue of animals, protecting against the spread of diseases that can be deadly to both animals and humans. I know it sounds a bit rough, but that is the history. The modern day application though is this. A body either embalmed or unembalmed will be immersed in an alkaline solution in a heated pressurized metal aquamation unit. The process takes several hours. The result will be bone fragments that will be ground in the same manner that I mentioned with cremation. The difference being they will be a sparkling white powder instead of the gray color of normal cremains. As for the liquid that remains, the aquamation process produces a completely sterile solution made up of amino acids, sugars, nutrients, salts, and soap. These are the byproducts of natural decomposition. The water from the process is returned to the ecosystem via the normal wastewater treatment facility, just as all funeral homes in the United States, Canada, and many other parts of the world do during the embalming process. Generally, it's the part about the water going into the wastewater system that people object to. 
My guess is that those objections are coming from people who don't realize what is already happening every day in funeral homes around the world, which again is why I'm doing this graphic little PSA. I want people to be fully informed. So the little take home point there, the same kind of thing is happening when a person is embalmed, their bodily fluids are being pushed into the wastewater system. In aquamation, a sterile solution is now being pushed into the wastewater system. Okay, last but not least, we get to natural organic reduction or human composting. Most of us understand the basic principles of composting. Microorganisms that are naturally present in organic matter naturally decompose organic material with the help of basic nutrients, oxygen, and water ultimately producing nutrient-dense soil. Those principles are the same for human composting. A body is placed in a vessel with organic materials like alfalfa and wood chips. Over the course of 30 days, microbes, oxygen, and plant matter will convert the body into soil. It's a sped-up version of the natural decomposition process. Any bone fragments that remain after 30 days will be treated in the same way as the fragments produced by cremation and aquamation and then returned to the soil. The process will yield about a cubic yard of healthy, rich soil. That soil can then be donated to a conservation project or used in a personal memorial landscape, contributing to the growth of shrubs and flowers and trees. Here are some of the thoughts that I have heard expressed regarding natural organic reduction. Some say that a body decomposing in this kind of purposeful matter is somehow not dignified. And dignity is a valid point. Most of us would agree that dignity in body disposition is important. So as you consider your own options and having learned a bit more about what each option involves, Do you personally feel that one process is more dignified than the next? Choose the option that aligns with your values. Another thing that I have heard expressed, somewhat in jest, but also not, is this visual that human composting takes place in our own yards, that a family member dies and you are the one who is out in the garden turning the soil to oxygenate the microbes and your loved one's remains. Obviously, this macabre imagery is not the case. If a person chooses natural organic reduction, their body will be taken into care by a legitimate facility that offers that type of death care in the very same way that a body would be taken into the care of a mortuary or a funeral home. Human composting is not a Pinterest DIY affair. It's a service performed by regulated professionals. So here's the takeaway. This is why I wanted to talk about this. When we die, we will decompose. Decomposition isn't traditionally beautiful. It makes a lot of us squeamish. Even so, it's going to happen. We can wrap a body in beautiful silks, replace bodily fluids with chemicals, liquefy or burn our flesh into oblivion, but ultimately, we're all going to disappear into the planet. It's unavoidable. I feel like that's the part that people are really upset about, the inability to avoid the whole thing in general. We don't like to think about the reality of death, so we get sidetracked by certain aspects of certain processes. This is my advice. 
choose the option that resonates with you and realize that none of it's pretty. There's no one form of body disposition that's going to make death, loss, and grief okay. And that is okay. Do what works for you and don't criticize someone else for doing what works for them, especially if you're not well informed on the matter. That will only add more pain into the mix. And after all, we are all just trying to handle our complex emotions around death. That's it. I'll get off my preachy little pulpit now. If you want to reach out to me and comment on my little soapbox, you can find me on Instagram at leadingwelldeathdoula, or you can find my contact details in the outro, which is coming up right now. Thank you for listening to the Death Becomes Her minicast. Connect with me, Lyella Kelly, at www.leavingwellmt.com. Special thanks to Roman Belove for our intro and outro music. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, talking about death won't kill you. I promise.